Everyone has a dream that fills their heart. A journey they must take. A destiny to fulfill. As close as your imagination exists a magical place where wondrous creatures with incredible powers help make dreams come true. It's the world of Pokemon. Welcome to Now Playing's Pokemon Retrospective Series. Prepare for more trouble than you've ever seen. And make it double, we're on the big screen. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Nuts of the game. Hosted by Arnie. So you're addicted to caffeine. I can stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. Black is nine, thank you, sweetie. Justin. Get me the hell out of here. And Stuart. To them, this is just one more challenge. They follow their hearts. That is what sets them apart and will make them Pokemon masters. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. This is what a Frenchman would call caliente fiesta. Listener discretion is advised. We're going to do this, you and me. Today we're discussing Pokemon Heroes, Latios and Latias, or Guardian Gods of the Capital of Water. (laughs) (laughs) Quite literal. Starring Veronica Taylor, Rachel Lillis, Eric Stewart, Ikue Otani, Satomi Kurogi. Directed by Kuniko Yuyama. This is Arnie, your podcasting hero. Pikachu! (laughs) I choose you! This is Justin with a full pokey backpack. I think I'm glad that we're coming to the end of our animated run. I don't have any more room in my head for Pokemon knowledge. I don't have any more room in my Pokemon bag. I don't know about you guys. Just a little behind the scenes, we've taken like six weeks off of Pokemon, and it was so great to not watch any Pokemon cartoons for the past six weeks. When you say we, you mean you and Justin. Yes, we. (laughs) My life has been nothing but Pokemon. It's been six weeks to catch up on everything. Because despite what you guys are saying, this is only the fifth of 21 animated films. We cover it all here at Now Playing, except if it's Pokemon. And then we say, you know what? Let's create some new clause where if it didn't get an American theatrical release, we ain't covering it. (laughs) We've never covered direct-to-video animation. We have covered things that have opened theatric. There have been TV movies that ran in Mexico, and we threw it in a superhero retrospective because you love superheroes. But we never did the Lionsgate Ultimate Avenger series. We never did all of those multitude of Batman cartoons. Direct-to-video animation has always been a no. Although, I feel I played a role in that. There was discussion, and I was like, no! No! <laughs> So here, it has saved Justin and me quite a bit. Yes, it's payback time. So yes, I love Pokemon. So I, of course, am going to discuss all of the animated films after we talk about this one, which was the last one to get a wide American theatrical release. There will be some future ones that get Fathom event releases. But back in May 2003, this summer movie, and everyone is going to Matrix Reloaded instead. You say wide release. I got to question how (laughs) wide that wide release is. In fact, I started wondering if we even needed to cover this. 200 theaters is Mm. all. A wide release 
Avengers opened on like 4,400 screens. This got 200. I think the Fathom events got more than 200. I think you're probably right, actually. 200 is pretty paltry. By comparison, Pokemon the first movie opened on over 3,000 screens. Yes, and Matrix Reloaded is opening on similar numbers. It was expected to be a hit, and Miramax, as I've already suggested, probably did not want this to be a theatrical hit. They had their own animated water-themed movie coming out in just a few weeks, Finding Nemo, and they had no interest in competing with themselves. So this got a scant release, didn't even gross $1 million, and from that point forward, they only put it out on home viewing platforms, DVD, streaming, what have you. Just anecdotally, I was unaware of it. Not that I was paying attention to Pokemon stuff in 2003, but like you said, Toy Story 2 coming out, I'm aware of that, but Pokemon 5 or whatever wasn't on my radar. I don't think I had any clue this movie came out, but the fact that there'd been a Pokemon movie in theaters annually for five years, I do remember at a certain point thinking, Pokemon 3, didn't we just get Pokemon 1? I believe it just became white noise of Pokemon in theaters, and I'd just be like, alright, I have no idea. Is it still in theaters? Is it in theaters again? Is it a new movie? I don't know. Yeah, Americans weren't even paying attention anymore. We had moved on. For us, it was a trend that had burned hot and gone away. But I just want to point out, this movie was not a flop. This movie was a hit. It had already made its money the year before in Japan. It already had $20 million. And all these films we're going to be discussing after Pokemon Heroes are all consistently making $20 million, $30 million. So this franchise has never stopped being a hit in the country of origin, Japan. But I think it took about 13 years for Pokemon to find relevance again. Probably the reason we have a Ryan Reynolds live-action movie to discuss coming out this weekend. Pokemon Go! This one caught me by surprise. I have a millennial friend at work, and she was talking and how she was playing this new Pokemon app. And I'm like... You're in your late 20s. You're playing Pokemon? And that was my first inkling to what became a phenomenon that was so huge, even I decided, all right, I need to see what this is. Now, I actually had a little bit of a preview of it because, as people who listen regularly know, I work in tech and I had perhaps my best manager in my lifetime back in around 2012. And this manager was way up on all things tech and games. And he was telling me about this game called Ingress that he was playing on his Android. It wasn't even out for iOS. And I had an Android at the time. And you'd go around and find places and take over towers. And you'd actually have to physically go places. It was like geolocating. If you guys remember that little trend from the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Geolocating with gameplay. And so I played that a little bit, but never really got into it. But the company that made Ingress, Niantic, took that engine. Basically, they used Ingress. They were a Google startup company, and they used Ingress to map, I think, the world and find landmarks that are anything from a mural on a wall to a funny sculpture to churches. Churches everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And they partnered with Nintendo and made this Pokemon Go, which is so addictive. I have never played this game. I didn't realize it was free, that you could just download it. No wonder it became a viral phenomenon if people didn't have to buy it. I have questions about how that makes money, but it was interesting to know it was an April Fool's Day joke. 
2014, if you clicked into Google Maps on that day, Pikachu, Squirtle, Bulbasaur, they were all popping up in the real world unannounced. They were just <laughs> there. And it was from the success, the response was so positive, that Nintendo said, hey, we can make money at this. But I don't know how if it's freeware. Well... This is the new monetization strategy, is you don't buy a game for $50. Oh no, that's silly. You give the game away, and then microtransactions. I have spent thousands on Pokemon Go. Thousands. (laughs) I hate to sound this naive, but it makes you spend money in order to continue to play? No. You don't have to. You can play forever for free, slowly. Mm. Or if you want to, say you have an egg. You get a Pokemon egg, and you want to hatch your egg. Mm-hmm. You need an incubator. Ah. Now you can either pay real-world money to trade in for gold coins, which then you trade the gold coins for an incubator. It's like chips at a casino, so it doesn't feel like real money. Mm-hmm. Or you can walk around the town until you finally luck out and get an incubator, and then you can finally hatch that egg. And... You're throwing Pokeballs to catch Pokemon. I mean, that's where this one differs is when it started, there wasn't a whole lot of battling going on, a whole lot of fighting. It was a lot of, I'm walking around, I'm using augmented reality. So I'm looking through my phone, I'm seeing my room, and in my room, oh my god, there's a Rattata. And so I'm throwing Pokeballs at this Rattata and need to catch it. Oh crap, I'm out of Pokeballs. I can give them money. And I can get more Pokeballs. Yeah, I enjoyed this phenomenon greatly. It was another sign that the world had gone completely mad in 2016 because I just like watching people running around, pointing at things that weren't there and claiming, oh, look, there's that. I'm like, yeah, we've all lost our damn mind. <laughs> and in LA, I was still living in LA at that time. You could just tell who was playing it by the way that they would congregate, by the mannerisms, all of it. It looked like, wow, the asylum let them loose. And- And now we just, let's watch the crazies. I mean, it truly was an inescapable cultural phenomenon. I mean, I held out as long as I could, but my wife was playing it. My daughter was playing it. My son was playing it. So I hopped in just to see what the fuss was all about. And like Arnie says, it is strangely addictive. I never even got to the fighting part. I just enjoyed walking around collecting new Pokemon. And you guys didn't have a history with these characters. How would you know what you were getting? I mean, did it matter? Or were you just, it was about amassing as many things as possible. The gotta catch them all, really. You know, that's my attitude in life. (laughs) Marjorie's constantly saying she's happy she doesn't have a sister because my completion issues know no bounds. It's true. I one time asked you as if there was a movie you wouldn't have in your collection and you said no you would literally own every movie if you could if it was free (laughs) yeah (laughs) well they also hit on that collector thing where they make certain things more rare and harder to find so for a while there i don't know if it's still the case but pikachu was incredibly hard to find so Mm. like if you came across a pikachu it was like "Ooh, i found him and then you throw a couple pokeballs at him and then he'd run off and you're like oh i missed him so it became a, a quest now, let me ask, as again, someone that has never played this, is it always going to be there? If someone goes and grabs Pikachu and five minutes later somebody else pulls up, is he still there for that second person to get? It is the same. If you and I both had our phones up right now and there was a Bulbasaur in this room, mm. we'd both see it. Now, the Bulbasaur will move on. 
But for mm. this period of time, the computer will say there's a Bulbasaur in the room. Everybody who's playing will see the Bulbasaur in the room with a couple limitations. If you get above level 30, you see different things than people below level 30, things like that. But I will never forget how addicted I got to this. I don't know if this is actually in the Suicide Squad show, if it made the final cut. Suicide Squad came out in 16. I wanted to see it in IMAX, which required me driving up to Bloomington, Illinois, because we didn't have an IMAX in town back then. So it was about an 80-minute drive. So I get there at 7 o'clock, get out around 9.30. I then proceed to drive all around Bloomington for about an hour and a half looking for Pokemon, which is incredibly safe to be driving a car and looking for Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be the only one guilty of such a thing. I mean, this was a phenomenon that happened as an unfortunate consequence of the popularity. People couldn't turn off their phone and they wanted to find them and car crashes aplenty. And there's plenty of YouTube videos of people walking into fountains and things, which is hysterical. But then I remember after Suicide Squad, I finally got back to Springfield. I'm driving around Springfield looking for Pokemon. It's 2 a.m. I'm sitting in a church parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta is, get my fix, man. It is crazy. <laughs> and then I'm, I actually had a come to Jesus moment in a church parking lot of what am I doing? Mm. <laughs> And I did quit the game shortly thereafter. It launched in like July or August, which is perfect for the Midwest because you want to go to parks. That's the whole thing. They said this game would cure the childhood obesity epidemic Mm -hmm. because it encouraged walking. You want to hatch that egg? Go walk 10 kilometers to hatch that egg. (laughs) And it really did work. I was walking parks. I was walking all around. I was driving some places, but I was walking a ton. And then it got cold. And then it got real easy to quit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just, you know, my interest in it just kind of waned. You know, it wasn't a day that I decided, oh, I'm done with this. It just, you know, I think eventually after a couple weeks, you realize you haven't touched it in a while. But yeah, that initial month or two, when it first came out and everybody was playing it, it was everywhere. Everybody was doing it. And then I started to get a little bored. But then I remember, Arnie, we went to San Diego and... San Diego, I don't know if they did something special for Comic-Con or what, but there was just all sorts of different Pokemon I had never seen all over the place. I'll never forget the Pokemon Go panel in Hall H. Not only could you not get in, but there was going to be a special Pokemon released in that room. And people were lining up along the wall, pushing into the wall, hoping that their phone would think they were in the room Mm. so they could get that Pokemon. How interesting. Yeah, get them all in. Not that Comic-Con has problems with that, but it seems like it should have been something that other people should have copied. Like, I would have expected Walt Disney to put out their version. And why wasn't there more augmented reality games if this caught on so quickly? It seems to me like there could be even bigger trends than Pokemon. I think the key is the Niantic engine that knows the world and has the photos. It has the locations. Mm. You need to have a map in addition to just, there's a ton of augmented reality stuff on your phone. I mean, I can go into Walmart and pose with augmented reality Avengers for photos, Okay, but it's not an addictive game without what Google put in to the Google map and then Niantic put in to creating landmarks on that map and then add the addictiveness of the Pokemon franchise. Here's where I got bored of it, was three things back in 2016. One, the weather. Mm-hmm. Two, I found out that to collect them all required going to Australia and Japan. Mm. There are regional ones. That was a thought in my head was like, would people, not only the money would they be giving to Nintendo, but would it turn into airline tickets and how obsessive 
would it get? You mentioned flying on a Pikachu airplane. Yeah. Well, April 18th to 22nd, I didn't go, but there was a Pokemon Safari event in Singapore where Pokemon Go players from around the world flew to Singapore wow. to go on a Pokemon Safari. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is the world we're heading in. It's like this blurring of reality and a cyber womb. It's very, I guess, exciting, but also scary. The third thing that made me get bored of it was simply repetitiveness. All I was catching was, oh, God, it's another Pidgey. Oh, God, it's another Riptata. Rats and pigeons. It got to the point that it was like, I want to call an exterminator to get rid of the fucking rats. <laughs> is that a comment on where you live? Are they like dissing you about like, yeah, this is place is full of like pokey rats. <laughs> that's very true, Arnie, because that's about when I hung it up too. And, you know, since we've been doing this series, I've re-immersed myself in the game. And I've been pleasantly surprised by the amount of new Pokemon that they put in. It's fresher. It feels new again. I can see myself falling off real quick again, mm -hmm. but it, at least they keep the game going and reinvigorating it. I went back because all I remembered was I spent a lot of money on Pokey Coins in 2016, and I was catching rats and birds, and I was sitting in church parking lots. That was my memory of 2016. <laughs> Sounds like you're on drugs, frankly. Like That's what I would expect if you had discovered heroin. <laughs> we had to have a Pokemon intervention for Arnie on this one. <laughs> Instead of flying to Singapore, I'd be flying to Turkey. Mm, yeah, you don't want to get go there. You're not leaving the prison. I hope there's a lot of Pokemon. You'll be the Pokemon in that <laughs> place. But I decided to try it again. And Justin, you're right. They have improved the hell out of the game. First of all, when I was playing before, there were like 100 and some Pokemon. Now there's like 400 and some. And they have all these events now. Just this weekend, believe it or not, there was a Latios and Latios oh. event at our fairgrounds and like a hundred people <laughs> showed up at the fairgrounds trying to catch Latios and Latias. <laughs> a meet and greet with these anime. Like, and it's weird. That's like, I could see how if you were the right age, that would be as exciting as meeting a celebrity. No, you don't understand. They were my age and older oh. and around. <laughs> were any of your buddies from the tournament there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably were. They weren't there to meet and greet. What it is, is to get some of these rare Pokemon. They've really increased the importance of combat. And you go to these towers and there are things called raids and you can't do a raid alone. In addition to promoting activity, which I don't believe it actually cured the childhood obesity epidemic. No. You know, anything that gets people moving, but it also promotes community. If I want a Latios or Latias, I cannot do it alone. It takes a minimum of like five people level 40 and above to team up and all attack at once at this tower. We have to physically be there and coordinate and be like, okay, you're going to be there at five. I'll be there at five. We're going to team up and we're going to try to take down this tower for a chance. As Justin said, if we beat the tower, then we have a chance to catch a Latios. Okay, well... I guess there's an upside, but of course, this also brings me to my pokey controversy of the week, and that's this game created as many problems as it seemed to uh, enchant people. I mean, what I saw was three major systemic continuing problems with the game. One is, you know, I think the problem with anything involving a cell phone. 
people are not paying attention to what's around them. And this leads to people, literally someone walked off a cliff. I mean, fatalities. People walk into traffic. Maybe it would have been the same if they were watching a movie on Netflix. Maybe we can't put this on Pokemon. Somebody fell into the Grand Canyon last week taking a selfie. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a certain level of awareness. Sure, but the game makers can't feel good to know that they place Pokemon strategically next to places where people died. I mean, that's just strange. And then weirder, help me understand this one, because I didn't quite get it, but I guess robbers were hanging out at certain pokey stops with the idea that this will be a easy pickings. They won't be paying attention. We can pick wallets and the just a high degree of crime is happening because when you're playing this game, I guess you're not aware of people walking up on you. Is Would that be true? Would you know if someone had lifted your wallet? Yeah. Yes. I would know if somebody lifted my wallet. I mean, it's like anything else on your phone. I could be surfing Facebook. I'm not that aware of my surroundings if I'm into my phone, but... Yes, they could view that as a place where affluent younger people or people, you know, just with phones worth stealing. Sure, yeah, it's a lure for people, you know. I mean, on a bad day, you're walking away with a Galaxy Note or something, you know. I mean... Yeah, so and it is happening at, at big rates. So, I mean, that, that was a controversy. And then I think just the more common idea that you have masses of people showing up at places of sensitivity that have, through no fault of their own, are a pokey stop, and suddenly the Holocaust Museum and cemeteries. <laughs> I remember these. Yeah, it's just, come on, guys. Like, you just act tactful. I get you want to geek out, and that's fine, but be cool. You're in the Holocaust Museum, you know? Know, like, don't be running past people screaming about Bulbasaur. It's just, <laughs> I mentioned when we talked about evolution, the Catholic Church took the stand that Pokemon was good, that it did bring people together, that it was about friendship. They had a changing perspective once people started showing up at church trying to grab these monsters. They were like, this is irritating. They went to the Pope. They ended up coming up with something kind of ingenious. I don't think it's caught on to the same extreme, but my unusual merchandise of the week, it's not really a Pokemon, but it's certainly derived from the Pokemon Go phenomenon. Have you guys heard of Follow JC Go? Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> Seven bucks. You can download it on your Android or your iPhone. Is this the Veggie Tales of the Pokemon world? No, no, no. It's not creatures. Do you collect all the apostles? You can meet saints, and they all are hovering around wanting to tell you about the magic of Jesus and how to change your life. It takes you to churches. So instead of having people going there to get monsters, it becomes a way of, like, you meet friends. They end up calling them E-teams. Evangelical teams is what that stands for. But the idea is that not only are you going to collaborate, but you're going to then start pulling out your own Bibles and learning new stuff. It was their idea. I guess it's the state of churches in America at this point, but a way of cashing in on something that was popular and hooking people on getting back into church for the original intention. I remember back in 16, one of the big news stories was places are like, we don't want to be a pokey stop. We are a fine dining establishment. I mean, there's one place that, yes, Marjorie and I, we'd eaten there in the past, but we became regulars at this restaurant because it was two pokey stops and a gym if you were sitting at a good table. So we'd be like, all right, we're going to go play Pokemon. Date night became Pokemon night where we'd go to this restaurant, have some beers and play Pokemon all night. 
kind of together. I don't know if that's exactly a together activity when we're both engrossed in our phone and like, oh, there's a Bulbasaur, go get him. <laughs> but it really did become a thing. But they had a thing where you could opt out. They had to create a form very quickly. They realized people were congregating where they were unwanted and people could opt out. Churches are still Pokestops. Churches are still doing whatever they can mm-hmm. to lure you into that church. Right. I can see the impetus behind, like, thinking, hey, attendance has been down over the years, and all of a sudden all these people are showing up, but not for church. Let's try to capture some of this. But I don't know that an app capturing and meeting saints is necessarily the answer that they were looking for. Well, if you look at who's playing it, or at least who's leaving reviews, it's full of snarky online people that they're having a laugh at this. They're like, oh, yes, I was in a face full of cocaine having gay sex, and then this <laughs> app led me into the church, and I was healed. You know, like, you can just imagine the kinds of stories that get posted as a review for this poor, unfortunate game that, again, has Pope Francis's blessing. That he, he says, go do it. So if you're a Catholic, go for it. <laughs> Pokemon go. At the very least, nobody yet has died. I haven't heard of any incidents of death or robbery or any of the... I guess that comes when no one's playing. Yeah, I was just thinking. It's, the per capita is much lower, so therefore the incidents are much lower. Or maybe those saints are protecting them, Arnie. Don't give up on the power of the floating Mother Teresa above the church. Unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, I'm back addicted to Pokemon Go, and my playing got Marjorie back addicted to Pokemon Go. We're going to events now, and Ryan, we've talked about Ryan on this show, Yeah, is our Obi-Wan. We constantly have this text group going of, okay, so is there any reason for me to have 82 Murkrows, or can I just, like, stop catching Murkrows at this point? I have also, I want to give a shout out to every now playing listener, because when I was just getting back, they have this new thing, now a friend system, which they didn't have back then. And you can send gifts to friends and they're random gifts and you can trade Pokemon with friends and you can battle friends. And I put my code out there on now playing and I have like 80 friends and you guys are all, most all of you are awesome. A few of you have never opened the gifts I sent you months ago, but most of you guys are really awesome. And I enjoy playing with you guys where we just, you know, I get to see what you've caught and I get to see, I mean, from putting the code out on now playing's page i have pokemon friends in the uk in japan in singapore <laughs> in california and i get to see the landmarks that they've gone to because you go to a pokey stop and then you get a gift that you send it shows me your pokey stop i get to see these places around the world that my one degree of separation are playing it's really kind of cool and addictive that would be my hope as someone that has no interest in downloading this game in part i try to keep all video games off my phone because i would get sucked up into it but i do like the idea that it could spark the interest in travel even though i would like people to actually go to the grand canyon to see the grand canyon anything that can get people to look exteriorly out into the real world i think that there's got to be a silver lining at least to that it makes me want to travel more because i feel bad in addition to opting out of being a pokey stop as you might imagine you can opt into being a pokey stop for money 
And so every Sprint mobile store and every Starbucks is a Pokestop because they sponsor. Mm -hmm. And I feel really lame sending a gift. Here's from Starbucks. Here's from Sprint. Here's from Starbucks. Here's from Sprint. I'm like, I want to go places. I want to send cool (laughs) gifts. Yeah, I want to stop collecting rats. (laughs) Anyway, uh, thanks for the update. As someone that has never played it, I've always been curious to know what you guys were doing. You have taught me a lot. Well, speaking of rats, we got to talk about the short that aired before this movie, Camp Pikachu, where our old friends, the evolved rats, the Pichu brothers are back. Remember them from a previous short? Uh, Yes, they were in the city last time. And now, as the banjo tells me, they're out in the country. It's a hoedown! The absolute worst Pokemon song ever is this attempt at a rendition of a Pokemon hoedown song. (laughs) That may be in part because you don't like hoedowns, right? I mean, that would be hard to make it good. Swing your partner, do-si-do, round and round, and there we go. I'm fine with that shit. Are you really? You want to go country line (laughs) dancing tonight? (laughs) We can make it a pokey stop if you prefer. Yeah, when I was watching this, I was like, I wonder which way Arnie's going to go on this, because you're either going to love this song or you're going to hate this song. I'm kind of surprised to find out that you hate it. I thought it was kind of catchy, especially for this short for preschool kids. It's more catchy than some of the other ones we've had. I have nothing more to say about these shorts. I've said my piece. They don't really have a plot. They really aren't about doing too much. Uh, This one maybe was a little bit more on the Looney Tunes funny side than some, but at the end of the day, this is made for children that haven't learned how to form words yet. It is for the Teletubbies crowd in my mind. I did find myself at a bit of a migraine-inducing point when there was a conversation. Why? Why not? Why? Why not? Um, That never ends. It's It's like a child arguing with the mother. I think it answers its own question. Why not? Because then you end up with this. That's that's why not. I think what's frustrating about these shorts, especially this one, is is that it's really doing nothing for the first 17 minutes of the 21-minute runtime. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, we're not just here to watch Pokemon play. There needs to be some sort of issue to overcome. It's like, oh, this should be over. But it's like, oh, now we got five minutes of a fake issue that they have to figure out before we actually end. Yeah, they always got to punch up the idea that they're collaborative and friends. Again, that lie. That lie (laughs) that Pokemon love and live in harmony together. That's so not resembling anything in gameplay. But sure, they're all friends. Nobody is beating on each other. And then, yeah, let's have some slapstick with trying to get on a train like they had with outrunning that lawnmower. A, I don't know why this is called Camp Pikachu. Only at the very beginning were they camping. It does not involve a whole lot of camping. There's a whole lot of cut logs. It looks like they're filming in the back lot of Twin Peaks with as many <laughs> just logs are around. There's log trucks. There's log cabins. There's logs everywhere. I imagine the people that made this have never been camping in America in their life, and that's fine. I mean, we've definitely made naive projections about what foreign countries are like in our cartoons. I'm not offended, but yes, this doesn't feel very much like a camp that I've ever attended. Yeah, they were just trying to capture some of that hot, hey, dude audience from back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) It does lead me, one listener has told me, because I asked a question on our previous podcast, is this even Earth? There's humans, but there's no earthly animals. There's only Pokemon. It was when they were time traveling. I'm like, what year is it? What's going on? There is a fan theory 
that this is a post-apocalyptic wasteland mm. after a nuclear war has mutated all of our animals into Pokemon. Oh, that is interesting. I like that because I've had that thought many, many times, particularly now that these newer films are beginning with the welcome to our world introduction. And I'm like, but this isn't Earth. That becomes more and more present. They start by looking at that planet and I'm like, yeah, that's not Earth. I mean, it's kind of. We're going to go to a place that feels very much like Venice, Italy, but it's not. I mean, they obviously want us to think about places in our world. You're right. It could be post-apocalyptic. It could be the aftermath of where we're heading. What I was told is it definitely is Earth. They are on Earth, and those are humans. But where'd the Pokemon come from? Where'd all the animals go? And they, there's no place called Johto. They're, all the names of these towns do not exist. So where are they really? And why has everything been rebranded? Uh, yeah, nuclear annihilation. I think you're right. I would love... I mean, how many years has the Pokemon cartoon been on TV? But could you imagine the last one being the Planet of the Apes one where they find the blown up Statue of Liberty <laughs> and Ash is like, you bastards, you blew it up. It was Mew. He was the first one, right? You know, it was that little... F that white little mouse, Mew. He has like a cat kangaroo. Nothing is like strictly a direct analog to real world stuff, except for maybe the Ratatats. Those seem to just straight up be rats. And Pidgeys are obviously pigeons, and they're snakes. I mean, there's some. E-cans, Arnie. Come on, they were clever there. They spelled snake backwards. <laughs> oh, is that why? I was always curious. All right. Anyway, we installed enough. Arnie, give them the plot to Pokemon Heroes, and we will say goodbye to the last animated Pokemon film that we're covering. In Venice, which of this post-nuclear apocalypse is called Alto Mare, Ash, Misty, and Brock have come so Ash and Misty can participate in the Tour de Altamar water Pokemon race, and Brock can try to pick up chicks. He's like Larry the neighbor from Three's Company at this point. <laughs> he really is. But Altomare has a history of being protected by Pokemon Dragon siblings Latias and Latios, and I was very surprised to find out that they were not Spanish. <laughs> I thought it was Latin. Well, you know, it's Italy. There, there's some crossover there. It's a romantic language. These special Pokemon can change shape even into humans or turn invisible. The power of these two mythical Pokemon draw the attention of Team Rocket members Annie and Oakley, who bring all their tech to the town to try and capture Latias and Latios. They end up clashing with Ash and Pikachu after Latias, in human form of a girl, has taken a liking to Ash. Annie and Oakley steal a gem called the Soul Dew, which contains the soul of Latios' father, also a Latios, and Annie and Oakley use the Soul Dew to power the city's defense mechanism with the goal of capturing Latios and Latias. And they do capture Latios, and then they resurrect two extinct Pokemon, Kabutops and Aerodactyl, who go after Latias. I'm still speaking English, and to the Pokemon <laughs> fans, this means something. <laughs> Just barely, though. Mm. But the defense machine gets out of control, and the Soul Dew is destroyed. Ash, Pikachu, and Latias save Latios, but the machine causes a tidal wave that's going to destroy the city. Latias and Latios stops the wave, but at the cost of Latios's life. And, like his father before him, his soul becomes a new soul dew. And Ash and friends go off for another adventure that I won't ever watch <laughs> as credits roll. 
<laughs> and as we get started, we're reminded that Team Rocket is more than Jesse and James. They must have every serial killer or notorious person. There's a Jeffrey and Dahmer somewhere <laughs> wandering around. <laughs> Annie and Oakley are breaking into a library. Of course they are. This is the strangest beginning ever because they're these two teenage or young adult girls in halter tops breaking into a library i'm like are they college students are they doing extra curricular why are they leaving a rose for the librarian i do not understand what's going on it's going to turn out they are on a quest where they're seeking forbidden knowledge about pokemon that's kept in like a school library <laughs> so that they can go capture latias and latios yeah they haven't heard of the internet yet <laughs> yeah, I mean, they look like they're on break from a hot topic or something, and like I'm not really following why they're here or what they're doing, but it's feeling a little bit more like a spy thriller at this point, so I'm somewhat interested. It's a different tone than we've seen in the previous movies. It reminded me of not necessarily a spy thriller, but Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Yes, <laughs> which had the five hot thieves when these two snag a zip line to escape the library for some reason i'm just thinking of elijah dushku trying to do all those moves in jay and silent bob <laughs> what i like about it is it reminds us that team rocket are not doofuses we can think because the ones we know are always chasing pikachu and every episode they're are thwarted and usually only kind of are sitting around and eating like i mean they're not even working <laughs> that hard at what they're supposedly trying to do for giovanni here's people that i actually think are formidable they actually have cool tech they successfully break in and break out of this thing they have a flying car finally we have like a satisfying villain that's the role that team rocket should always be playing but they never have they're like the worst employee at your office. The ones who come to work but don't do anything, that take the paycheck but are just always in the break room, and you wonder why they aren't fired yet. I've noticed a severe decline in their performance from movie one to movie five, where movie one and two, they seem to really be out to catch Pikachu, and then they kind of teamed up a little bit in movie three, and by movie five, they're just like, can I have some ice cream? Well, maybe their boss thinks they're named Meowith. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's Meowth, okay? Meowth. It seems like their character arc, it would make more sense if they were wannabes of Team Rocket. You know, like they were trying to become part of Team Rocket, so they're always trying to prove themselves and falling short, while a real member of Team Rocket is actually the real villain. Like, because that's what we've been seeing in all these movies. But just to call them Team Rocket, I think, kind of diminishes the whole organization in my mind. And there are other teams. I mean, there's Team Magma. There are other agencies I've seen in episodes and installments that use them. They could be from a rival gang. But I think the point is they're going to get Giovanni's work done. And they drag in Jesse James and Meowth into the fun because they realize, hey, we're being passed up. These girls are doing the work that we should be doing. And they're doing it with some amazing amazing gravity-defying hair. They're like Afro puffs that just keep like a <laughs> prairie skyline. It's amazing. I haven't thought about Afro puffs since I was listening to the Above the Rim soundtrack. <laughs> Which was probably yesterday. <laughs> At any rate, I'm a little bit more excited than I may normally be. It feels like there's just a little bit more adrenaline to this story and a little bit more mystery. What are they doing? What are they trying to find? And then we get the beautiful canals of Venice that have been, yes, rebranded as Altamare. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I was excited about that opening. And then this becomes 
the exact same Pokemon movie we have reviewed four times previously. It's going to start with a strange Pokemon competition. This time it's going to be a race. There's always a Pokemon battle or Pokemon competition while the opening credits play. And then there's going to be some earth-shaking proportion mass casualty Pokemon-related thing that Ash must stop. Yeah, but, I mean, I lost my shit when this happened. I had never seen this before. They let Misty do something. <laughs> she wins this chariot race. It's a water chariot canal race against Ash. I'm like... Lady, why don't you sit down? She wins! Now, admittedly, it's because invisible dragons are pulling Ash away, and his poor Totodile is confused and going down the wrong canal. But, I mean, the last time Misty entered a contest, she had to walk up and down in a catwalk in a bathing suit. So, hats <laughs> off, chick. You got to do something. It's only been five years. And she beat the champion, who isn't mad. He's just going to hit on her. He's like, well, if I can't get a trophy, maybe I'll get a piece. I'm like, is this going to be a movie about Misty? This guy will go away very quickly. And, in fact, he's like, why don't you come with me? And then, all of a sudden, like, Brock is there. And Pokemon was like, I meant, like, you and me in a gondola like wasn't meaning your whole posse <laughs> i love that he's like so here's a restaurant for seafood <laughs> and there's ice cream if you're still hungry around the corner see ya <laughs> <laughs> and take your crappy little monsters off my boat it does remind me of a blind date i went on where the waiter came and said one check or two and my date looked at me expectantly and i went two checks <laughs> <laughs> If ever there was an opportunity for Brock to show his true character, he would have seen that they were cock-blocking and <laughs> helped the bro out. But. Yeah, no nookie for Misty. <laughs> How old is she? She's still 10, right? It's been five years. You keep telling me that. No, she is at least legal in Alabama. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic Ken, which is really like 22, so. <laughs> Indeed. But anyway, Ross is here only to establish the fact that everyone is riding around on gondolas, that this is Venice for every other practical reason, and that it is protected by a legend that no one knows about anymore. They've just grown up with the idea that these two dragons have always been a part of the architecture. It was part of the medal that she won. It's just a part of the story of the town that once upon a time, these two dragons brought water and changed the way that... They lived and created the city waterway. Yeah, they're the reason for the canals. Of course, we get all this information from a dime store Mario looking guy. I could not stop looking at this character and thinking, what is wrong with this guy? It just looks like somebody started drawing Mario and gave up halfway through. <laughs> That's Italian, you know, like in Japan. <laughs> what do we know about Italy? Uh, Mario. <laughs> Who knows? Yes, I watched the behind-the-scenes footage of this, the making of, which I was like, oh my god, am I going to have to hear an hour's talking of animators? No, it was two minutes of scenic, like, <laughs> how I spent my Venice vacation photos. Behind the scenes, this is not a movie where I'm wondering what's going on behind the scenes. I'm barely wondering what's going on in front of me. <laughs> but Annie and Oakley are here. They are trying to find these legendary dragon Pokemon, and we can put one and one together and realize that was probably the psychic disturbance that had Ash lose the race to begin with. And it will all come to a head because Annie and Oakley have thermal scanners. They're looking around and they can tell that one of the dragons has taken human form and are tracking her. I've never seen a Pokemon except for a Ditto that could shapeshift. Is this 
a first for you, Stuart, with all you've seen? I mean, there's later ones, and no, it's not the first time, but I called her the girl with the dragon hairdo. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's you can tell she's a dragon, just the, you know, she doesn't have to open her mouth and flames come out. No, look at that hairdo. That's the dragon. We didn't need the thermal scan. Except she's mimicking a real human girl friend of hers who is not a dragon and has the same hair. <laughs> True. I, yeah. <laughs> I, maybe she just want a wannabe. A wannabe dragon. Anyway, this leads to the first battle. I gotta say, a pretty good one. You get my goat whenever you throw out spiders. I hadn't seen a spider Pokemon before. Ariados. And there's some cat, too. I didn't care about the cat. But I actually felt like Annie and Oakley had scarier Pokemon than I'd seen. And they're abducting her. I mean, I don't want to oversell this. But everything is feeling a little bit more exciting, a little bit more adrenalized, a little bit more like a normal spy movie. Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm not saying my hopes are up, but to what we're looking at so far is holding my attention more so than previous installments. I mean, just like you said, we're in a approximation of Venice, and so that's a good change of scenery. We're getting some chases. We're getting some new Pokemon, some new characters. I'm along for the ride so far. And I'm kind of wondering where this is going to go and how it's going to turn into Ash is the chosen one again. (laughs) We're we're, going to get there. Don't worry. It doesn't take long. I mean, Ash comes along and sees Pokemon attacking what appears to be a human, which, I mean, that's a no-no. The Pokemon don't go after humans. They only beat on each other. And he's going to step in. I'm 10 years old and you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. Like, she's being webbed up by the spider and all. I don't know. It's kind of creeped me out. And Pikachu gets to save her. It's so good. But the dragon girl gets away and they meet the caretakers. This is where they meet Lorenzo, who is running a museum where, yeah, embedded in the floor are fossils of the original Pokemon. And they have this giant machine called the Defense Mechanism of Altamare. I mean, if you had such a device, would you really put it in a public place? I mean, that's like (laughs) letting us tour the nuclear. Silos. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not bring the public in here. They're going to screw it up, you know. In the original draft, it was called Dusex Machina, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's too on the nose, so we're going to just slightly twist it. But yeah. yeah, now we're getting a little bit of, you know, Pokemon history. Like you said, going into this, we don't know what the world is, but now we know that they've been around long enough to be fossilized. That's kind of a neat nugget of information. Yeah, it was an idea that they hinted at with the first movie, you know, that there were ancient Pokemon that went extinct, and that was why the Jurassic Park people had to go and create Mewtwo. I do like that. It's cut and dry. I mean, no one would use the word sophisticated, but it's done in a way that keeps my interest. And again, I'm finding again and again, even though we're on the fifth Pokemon movie and my umpteenth Pokemon adventure, if you count all the TV that I've watched, I'm actually finding this one to be the most engaging that I can think of. I think even though we took several weeks off, I'm just seeing this all as samey same. It's another mythical Pokemon that nobody's ever seen before. Oh, yeah. No, that the gimmicks and the tropes are all here. I mean, they're following a tried and true formula. And what I'm connecting with is that maybe that they have elements that are a little more exciting. And I feel like the story craft is not so random. Sometimes characters wander into the thicket of things. And I'm like, why was that lady here with the bread? You know, like, <laughs> there's just some that you're like, I can't follow what's going on. And hats off, I'm following everything that's going on here and and in fact this is where we get the reveal i think we all could have guessed this but the dragon girl has a girl protector that looks just like her bianca and she lives in the garden behind this museum 
And either Latias or Bianca takes a shine to Ash. This is kind of interesting, too. Could a Pokemon actually fall in love with their trainer? This sounds like all kinds of taboos, but I mean, it's probably worth discussing. Like, could you have relations with a Pokemon that was humanoid enough? Well, if you want to get real disturbing about it, some listeners clued me into this. There's an entire conspiracy theory that Mr. Mime and Ash's mom are lovers or that Mr. Mime (laughs) is Ash's dad. There's a whole lot of screenshots and various story threads that discuss a perhaps inappropriate, perhaps sexual relationship (laughs) with Mr. Mime and Ash's mom, which makes it even more disturbing that she feeds Mr. Mime on the ground like a dog, but... I'll post a link on the Facebook page and Twitter, but yeah, it gets a little weird. If we wanted to explore this, we could have seen Pikachu getting jealous. Yeah. And ruining plans. Yeah. That's not where this movie goes. (laughs) I don't advocate that they do explore it, but it begs the question once we realize this dragon... Latias is really, really into Ash. I'm just going to write it off as friendship, not sexual advances. But as Bianca, really pretty forward. And in fact, Ash will get his first kiss by the end of this movie from one of them. I don't know if it's the human or the dragon. Were there any distinguishing features to tell them apart when Latias was in Bianca or trying to be Bianca? Or was it just the exact same animation? Like, did we miss anything where the tips of her hair are slightly different color? Bianca wears a hat. Latias does not have a hat, which is why at the end, Ash is kissed by a girl not wearing a hat. Did Bianca take off her hat or was it Latias? That is the mystery. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Sort of. And this is also where we get into the soul dew. And every time I hear that, I think of, just let your soul glow. Remember coming to America and the whole Jerry Curl? Oh, yeah. Advertisement. Yeah. That was like, I just like, is that what it is? See, I went the other way with it. I actually thought it was just the new urban Mountain Dew flavor. <laughs> yeah, there are like 90 flavors and like in a variety of rainbow colors. I don't even understand what's happened to Mountain Dew. Maybe they've just partnered with Marvel. There's the soul dew. There's the power dew. <laughs> the time do the time do the eternity do <laughs> no it's a big stone in a fountain that of course is the engine to power the big defense device that lives in the museum i mean again to a five-year-old they're going to be able to follow this they're going to maybe even anticipate some of this but i think that's an improvement to tell a story that a five-year-old can understand is not something i always feel they do This is the point of the movie where I was like, oh, yep, we're watching a children's Pokemon movie. Because no sooner do they tell us what the Soul Dew is and how it must be protected at every cost, the very next scene is nobody watching over the Soul Dew. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that, yes. Very important. Now let's all walk away. (laughs) But I mean, to your point, you're right. They're setting up a plot device for children to be able to follow and feel like they're anticipating. So from that angle, fine, great. I just really hate when they really nail something over the head like that. And it's like, oh, okay, so this is what's going to be stolen very soon. Yeah, we all have seen animation in this day and age. I'll, I'll just cite Powerpuff Girls, where it speaks enough to adults that you can find things in it that are attractive. And Pokemon just doesn't court that audience. I think the only adult audience that might be intrigued watching this are people that buy the games and want to see teases for Pokemon that are soon going to be able to be caught. 
Yeah, I agree. I was thinking Teen Titans Go, or we've reviewed several appeal to multiple audiences, movies that are animation. And this one, yeah, it's like, they're not even sure if Latios and Latias are real, yet they're floating around the city. The people think it's a myth, yet a little girl is friends with them. You know, it's targeting a higher age than Camp Pikachu, but only a little. Right. And we're not in the demographic and we're not invited. So we might as well just kind of get to the end here because uh, (laughs) connecting the dots that they take 20 minutes to draw the line for, we can see that Annie and Oakley are going to get into this fountain, get one of the dragons and try to activate the machine. Listen, there are so many Pokemon montages in this one with them playing there's the water race latios and latias play with ash and pikachu you know the run pee on this one is like five minutes at a time yeah it's 70 minutes long i think it's one of the shortest we've reviewed and it almost could have been trimmed down to maybe not a half hour episode but they could have done like a special two-parter i mean Mm -hmm. this more than any other movie we've had before this feels like an episode of the show but well drawn again i'm not knocking it for that it just does feel formulaic in the way that episodic television does One of the formulas we've seen with these movies is they're usually cell-drawn animation, pretty classical style. I mean, probably Flash or something like that. But they get to some 3D rendered, looks like they robbed something out of Pixar thing. And that's what this city defense tower is, is it looks like they're now suddenly playing Quake. (laughs) Yeah, we've had some cool shots of, I think, some of the chases where they're running down the canals and all have also felt like 3D. Modeling and it captures her attention. It's crude. I mean, I want to point out it doesn't look great. It at least makes it feel more cinematic than the show. Hey, I said they're playing Quake, not the latest Call of Duty. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they, they kind of had like a steampunk vibe to it before steampunk was a big thing. And I don't know if that was the limitations of their rendering budget or whatnot. But by the time this part rolls around, I'm starting to get like flashbacks of which Tomb Raider was it where we ended up in that cave with the time machine? Was it the first one? <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, device very similar to this with spinning orbs and orbiting things, you know. And I was like, oh, okay. Of course... This is going to lead to one of our antagonists turning exceptionally evil and power hungry and causing destruction of the city. I actually kind of appreciate that they did differentiate Annie and Oakley just a little bit all the way from the beginning. Because Oakley was the one that's like, we got to stay on task. We got to do this. And Annie's like, oh, a jewel. It's shiny. You know, like there's one that's a girly girl that's in it because she wants to get this soul due. And the other one that does seem to have some egomania. And psychopathic tendencies. I was actually happy for the same reason. While one did seem more into the gem and one didn't, I still took them pretty similarly. They seem to be on the same page until Oakley gets to that machine and is like, I will kill them all! And Ashley's <laughs> like, wait, what? What? It was a little bit too much. I'm trying to figure out, was it something in the stone? It almost felt like she had been possessed by magic. Usually we think of a character like this being corrupted in some way. Maybe this is just her true self. Once you get into the chair of a cockpit of a machine this powerful, something broke in her, and suddenly she is ready to lock down the city like grates and gates are smashing down and all the water is running out and suddenly it's coming back as a giant tidal wave and no one in the city ever 
thought to look at what this machine does or oh there's some myth about it i think at some point a scientist needed to look into this and be like oh this machine can kill us all I would assume that, yes, that it had that power, which is why Lorenzo was the caretaker of both. He ran the museum, and then quietly, he was one of the few people, he and his granddaughter, Bianca, were the only ones that knew the thing that ran it, the Soldu, was in the fountain out back. So I guess he took it upon himself to be the guy guarding the secret. Not very well, though. Hey, I have a machine of death. Let's put the keys under a rock in my backyard. (laughs) It does remind me of those terribly fake rocks where you put your house key as a latchkey kid i always thought those were so cool <laughs> you know before we get too far away from it you know there's quite a few scenes of like arnie said you know pokemon adventures and fights and whatnot but one thing that they've done pretty well throughout the series is sound design like each of the creatures they sound like cartoony voices at least to the very least i mean sure you know it's humans just saying the name of the pokemon but when they were capturing latias it literally just sounded like a 29-year-old lady screaming at the top of her lungs. It (laughs) pulled me so far out of this. I was like, am I watching a weird version of this, or is that really the sound they went with? And specifically 29 years old, not 28. (laughs) Or 30. Yeah, right before that voice really drops into, you know, older woman voice. Those hags. (laughs) She hasn't smoked too much yet. For life beats her down. (laughs) I'm not loving the dragons. You know, they're reminding me of the birds from the second movie and the apocalypse birds. You know, some of it is my own issues. I don't really like birds (laughs) or flying things. It's just not attractive to me. So I'm not having the connection with them, but they're doing their best. They establish that Ash and Latios can have a psychic bond, that there's this sight scene phenomenon in which Latios can project his POV into the minds of humans that might want to know what he's thinking and doing. And that was another 3D effect that they do, and it's interesting. I mean, it's not quite a POV shot. It's not quite uh, in the mind of. It's kind of half and half. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, we're literally watching them float around in a bubble. And it's a little confusing as to, like, if I was six years old, I'm not sure if I would understand what they were trying to say here. But other movies that have tried to do this, like The Beastmaster, where, you know, the Beastmaster goes into the body of a raven and he can see what the raven sees. Sure, they just put like a little acorn shape around the lens to make it seem like you're looking through the eye of a bird. But yeah, this works. I mean, I'm not quite sure how they're going to pull something like this off and make it totally understandable to kids what they're trying to show them. So I guess throwing everybody into a bubble (laughs) and having them float around is as good as you're going to get in a show like this. But because they're sight sharing and doing this cool stuff, Ash is able to come to the museum, know where they're at and kind of save the day. I'm not quite sure what he does that's so helpful. Latias and Pikachu seem to do most of the work. Yeah, he unties the humans that have been spiderwebbed, but for the most part, it is for Latios to make the ultimate sacrifice. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that we got to see him killed. Now, admittedly, he's the one that's been kept more at arm's length. Latias has been turning into a human and playing with Ash and doing all this communicating. Latios seems like the stern parental male figure that's kept his distance and just every once in a while been like, here's a vision of mine, but not really that emotionally connected. But I was still surprised to see him die. Yeah, I would think in a story like this, if you're going to 
bring up the concept of self-sacrifice for the greater good, that they would do a little bit of explanation, you know, like, this whole thing is about a legend. Why not talk about how this was his destiny? There's always a protector that needs to be there, and the one always knows that someday his destiny will to be become that protector. It was none of that. It's just kind of they did it, and, oh, okay, well... This replaces the thing we lost to a certain degree. That said, I, I mean, the giant water cyclone and, and the way that that tidal wave comes back. Again, I think that is probably a dominant fear in Japan as a country. You worry about tsunamis and what have you, but they always seem to animate those sequences really well. I really think that there's something kind of spooky about this. And I don't know if it's heroic. I mean, Pokemon heroes might be overstating it, but Latios does end what seems to be a pretty unwinnable situation. But there is no Latios at the end, right? Somehow his father Latios died. It's not like he and Latios laid some eggs so there would be a new baby Latios or anything. There's just a new soul do. Yeah, what I take to mean was that the soul of their father, if their brother and sister, I'm going to make that assumption, was in the soul do. And because Annie and Oakley played with it, that soul drained away with the water and now they didn't have any water protectors and the water could do what it wants. I guess it wanted revenge. <laughs> Who knows? But long story short, Latios steps into the role of his father by becoming the new soul in the stone. Right, because it was his destiny. That's what I'm saying. They needed to like give us a little bit of explanation as to what they were showing on screen. Yeah, that gondolier guy should come back. But they're all asleep. Notice that no one is worried about any of this because the sun's down. And I guess in this town, that means you shut the windows, you shut the doors. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone waking up the next day has no idea about all of this water cyclone dragon nonsense that's been going on. Oh, that water coming back was great. It was roaring in like at 100 miles an hour. Then the second it got to town, it was just like calmly lapping the shore. I'm not quite sure what magic he used to do that, but it was funny. I <laughs> it was it's like, oh, this is not going to go well. This is coming in as a tsunami. Oh, no, it's just fine. Right back where it needed to be. <laughs> well, they are the protectors of the water. Again, you're right. They needed a little bit more lip service about maybe they should be water type Pokemon. Maybe they should be able to manipulate water. Again, logic is not a strong suit of this series. I think this movie is more logical than most, but there were details that I thought got admitted either because the translators couldn't work out the dialogue correctly or they just didn't care about tying it up in a bow. Well, let's tie this up in a bow. Justin Stewart, do you recommend Pokemon Heroes, Latias, and Latios? Justin. Okay, so we're finally at the end of reviewing these animated films. I think it took five of them for me to come to the realization, or at least be okay with the realization, that none of these movies are progressively building on each other. They're all just individual stories that could be shown in any order, really. They're not building on one another. They're not trying to tell us a bigger overarching story, which is fine. I mean, that means you can take them or leave them as they come. So I have yet to recommend one of these. I don't think I've recommended anyone. Mm -mm, I can't recall or, or imagine that this is going to change. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not going to change here. But I will say this. I don't know if it's just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but I feel like I would be more willing to give this one a pass than most of the other ones we watched. I feel like it was different enough in scenery. It had some new interesting characters. The big end kind of involved everybody rather than just watching some Pokemon do some stuff off in the distance over a mountain. It just felt more movie-ish in that sense. But it still suffers from all the same problems these other ones do. So I'm not going to rush back to watch any of these again. But if somebody said, hey, we have to watch a Pokemon movie or you know, the world's going to flood, so let's watch one. I'd probably watch this one again, just out of 
pure short running time <laughs> and the visual storytelling was fine this time. So I'm glad we're at the end of this and we don't have to suffer through these anymore. But having said that, it wasn't as bad as I would have thought going into this whole series. Pokemon has a time and a place and it has its audience. And I think it's cool that it's still around. I'm not offended that Pokemon is a cultural phenomenon. I have come to love some of the characters and the designs. So there's stuff to grab from this franchise. It's just, it's not in the movies for me so far. So yeah, it's not recommend, but it's nothing I hate. It's just not for me, is kind of my summary of all of the Pokemon animated series we've watched. Stuart. Right. Well, my last haiku here. The legend is true. Latios and Latias turned the tide around. I can't believe it. There's an act one, two, and three in the right order. Misty wins something. Racing around waterways. Ash has his first kiss. Annie and Oakley do well balancing the tone. Spy spoof and spiders. Merciful restraint when dragons die stopping flood and Ash doesn't cry. I think this is the only Pokemon movie <laughs> where someone doesn't cry at the end. It's really too bad. Americans outgrew this before the best movie. <laughs> I think it just goes to show none of us are real Pokemon fans because from what I've heard from our listeners that are Pokemon fans, this is one of the absolute worst and it gets better from here. Well, I mean, they can go to Facebook. I'd love to hear a true Pokemon fan discuss all of the... I can now discuss all of them, and I would love to know how they would rank them. All right, they can find you on Facebook and talk to you about it. Sure. Rank all, what, 22? Yep. But for me, I really thought when we finished Pokemon Forever... And we had a break. I was like, I really need this break. I need to not be watching Pokemon for a week and go watch some live action stuff, some theatrical stuff, some different genres and come back fresh. And I didn't come back fresh. I came back shell-shocked. And what I realized is these movies are just becoming white noise to me. They're just background noise to which I'm struggling to pay attention because it's so simplistic. I don't really have to pay attention. It's just like I actually was in a nail salon with Marjorie and I was sitting in one of those chairs watching the TV and it was showing Sesame Street. And it's like I didn't have to pay attention to Sesame Street. I could still be reading news on my phone. And every once in a while I glance up and I wasn't missing any parts of the story where Cookie Monster was tired of Mario Lopez calling him the Veggie Monster. <laughs> they let Mario Lopez on Sesame Street? I know. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> they gotta have higher standards. So, I really can't recommend this. I don't know if I really recommend any of them. I gave a green error once a while around here. I recommended the first one, and I still think Mewtwo's storyline is the only one to ever really intrigue me and have the only character complexity I've seen in any Pokemon short or long here. It's a not recommend, and I'm just so ambivalent at this point. I mean, I could just sleep through these. There's just nothing. I'm just so glad. I'm really excited for Detective Pikachu. I mean, that movie looks so good. I'm just glad I don't have to do any more prerequisites. It's like I wanted to be a computer science grad student. Wait, I have to take trig? This is kind of how I felt. 
Well, here's a pillow because we're not done yet. I had to watch them. It is in our tradition that somebody has to discuss what we aren't devoting an entire podcast to each installment. But 16 sequels, I'm going to try to run them down as fast as I can to give you general impressions. The short version, Justin, is if you haven't been sold already, nothing that's coming is going to change your mind, with the exception of maybe one. There might be one of them that you might want to check out. But let's just start. It is the year 2003, and they are in the seventh season of the show. It's called Pokemon Advanced Generation, because Pokemon games are now being released for Game Boy Advance. Misty has taken her bike and gone home, and they're reshuffling the deck. Some of the classic characters are gone, and they're bringing in new people. And that's always exciting because it's a crossroads, right? If people have been playing this game for seven years, we now know if they were 10 years old, like Ash when they started, they're now thinking about going to college, getting a job, going to the Iraq war. It's 2003 after all. (laughs) I mean, they are living in a different headspace. Can we take this franchise and grow with them? Pokemon 6 says, hell no. (laughs) Your wish is denied. Jirachi Wishmaker is set in a circus, okay? And like Team Rocket are dressed up as clowns and the whole thing is about this little cutesy one. It's kind of like a Celebi wannabe where it's like whimpering because the ringmaster has it all tied up. It's using its wishes to make tricks at the circus or what have you. That is not aging up, right? So like, I'm disappointed. Some franchises like Harry Potter, they grew with their audience. They knew each new movie we need to, we can get away with being a little more sophisticated and scary. And this said, no, actually, we need a character younger than Ash. He gets a new companion, Max, who's seven years old, not even old enough to be a Pokemon trainer. And of course, he and Jirachi are going to bond. It actually has the most ridiculous ending of any Pokemon movie because this creature, it gets its power from a comet, which I guess means it has to float up to space at the end to go to the comet. And the little Max is standing there crying and he doesn't have the vocabulary to sing him a goodbye song. So he just extemporaneously makes a theme song going, do, 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 do. (laughs) And everyone joins in. It like, it is hilarious. (laughs) It is the cheesiest Pokemon moment of all time, which is no small feat, gotta say. But it got better after this point. Once I sucked it up and realized... What we were saying, this series is never going to get smarter. It's never going to make stuff for us. It doesn't care that we're 40. They're staying 10 and really a young 10. Like, I don't even know if 10 year olds would really groove to this. Once I got in that mode, I found the next couple to be pretty good, in part because they were kind of taking ideas off of what was popular, what was in Hollywood movies at the time. Destiny Deoxys is about as close to John Carpenter's thing as Pokemon's ever going to get. There is a scary tentacle creature coming from space, landing in the Arctic, giving some poor Eskimo kid anxiety disorder. And for the first half, there's actually some cool, vaguely horror movie kind of stuff before Ash brings alien and child together to be friends. I mean, you know, they're always got to go that route. Like, there's no way the tentacle is not going to turn into tentacle porn. It's, it's, <laughs> we're not going to do that with Pokemon. <laughs> Number eight. 
Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Little white flying thingy. They threw everything in this one. I, I'll say this. I wasn't bored. There's like a disgruntled ninja dog named Lucario. <laughs> there's girl spies. There's a Lord of the Ring epic battle where like you see all these Pokemon on the battlefield like racing at each other. So it's better than Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You know what? There was like one truly disturbing scene where rock monsters are making Team Rocket melt. Like it has like a Raiders of the Lost Ark cover your kids eyes quality to it. It was something. I, I don't know if it was good, but it held my interest. And then the next one, movie nine, took a page from Captain Jack Sparrow, and Ash heads out to the high seas to fight pirates. It's called Pokemon Ranger and the Temple of the Sea. And if that sounds like it needs an Indiana Jones in the title, that's exactly what they were trying to go for with that one. And we have now reached the year 2007. No more Game Boy Advance. They're moving on. This is the DS era. We're now in the animated series Diamond and Pearl which does not have Prince in it. Unfortunately, it has a Prince babe, maybe. Dawn has joined the cast, traveling around. There's no more Brock or anything. The fashionista, Pokemon coordinator Dawn and Ash are now traveling around to some new land. It doesn't really matter. Did they dump Cousin Oliver, too? Yeah, he's well, he's long gone. <laughs> I don't care what Max is doing. <laughs> but Arnie, you might want to give Movie 10 a try. I'm going to say Rise of Dark Rye is the best shot you have for having a renewed interest in an animated Pokemon movie. It's a big hit. It is actually the highest grossing Pokemon movie after the first two. Like this one was a resurgence in Japan. Nightmare inducing. It's a Freddy Krueger Pokemon. It goes around (laughs) and makes people fall down and they have weird trippy dreams. Of course, he's got to turn, like, cool and be the good guy at the end. And, you know, it's not that good. Like, I don't want to oversell it. But I do feel like it's a step up. Like, if there was a short list of ones you should see that you haven't, Rise of Dark Rye, number 10, go with that one. I'm your Pokemon now, Nancy. (laughs) Followed by one of the worst. I got to say, Giratina and the Space Ranger. And it's not Giratina's fault. They had this whole arc. It started with Dark Rye, where we're going to bring in time and space Pokemon. And Giratina was like one that came out of a black hole or something. It's this space worm. It's kind of cool. But for some reason, Pokemon movies sometimes just like to seed the floor to the cute one. And I usually grip my teeth on the Celebes and all of that. I'm like, don't make me do this. This is the worst one. Shaman is the gratitude Pokemon, and I got no gratitude for this. Basically, it's farting. It's like a farting hedgehog <laughs> that like has this very high voice. Everything is like if you wanted to design a torture Pokemon, it is Shaman. I just couldn't stand him. It's the first true burning red arrow. I hate this film. It won't be the last. But movie 12, pretty good. Arceus and the Jewel of Life. Kind of gets Pokemon back to, like, origins. Before tech, we go back in time and see, like, an Olympic Games and what Pokemon fighting was back in ancient Greece. So, again, no Pokeballs, no Pokedeck, no tech. It looked kind of cool, and Arceus is like Pegasus. He's like this white horse Pokemon. Anytime you can connect it to an origin and tell us where it all began, I think... You know, we've talked about the fossils or Mewtwo and all of that. I think that tends to hook me a little bit more is when I can get context for all these monsters. And Arceus has it. Number 13, unlucky number 13, tends to be one that is hated on. If I were going to put a Pokemon cartoon in our book of underrated movies, Zoroark Master of Illusions is better than anyone's giving it credit for. Everyone's hating on this thing. I'm here to tell them they are wrong because it's one of the few that I actually thought had topical subtext and extractable life lessons. We talked about that. 
where a lot of the Pokemon movies are like, well, what the hell did that mean? This is the year 2010. It's coming out. Obama is president, but they are on the cutting edge about talking about fake news. The villain is controlling a shape-shifting Pokemon and making a city believe that it's being destroyed by Entei from the third movie and Suicune from the fourth movie. And everyone has to realize that what they see on TV is not to be trusted. I think a really valuable message. If they're going to make Pokemon movies for the primary audience of being impressionable children, then yeah, put in morals like that. I think this one was a good one. And then it gets really bad. Like, i hating my life bad. My second least favorite one, movie 14. They tried to do what they do with the games. They released it twice. Slightly different footage in one from the other. So I had to watch a bad movie two times in a row. Oh. One with a black dragon, one with a white dragon. It's collectively known as Pokemon Black and White. It really doesn't matter because the dragons are barely in it. And it's really about this other thing that's in medieval times. I hated it all. I just hated this film so much. And again, it didn't help that I had to turn around and watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't get better for movie 15. My Little Pony was a thing by this time. Like for some reason it came back, right? Yeah, it's a Hasbro property. They had new cartoons. They had new cutie marks. I remember the coming back at Toy Fair. This seems like their attempt to like go for the brony audience. It's Curum and the Sword of Justice, confusingly named because there is no actual sword. It's not like Excalibur. The sword is the nickname of this superhero team of pokey horses that have horns. You know, they think they're a sword because I honestly don't understand this, but it's like a really bad My Little Pony episode that has very little to do with Pikachu and Ash. It's just crap. And again, it felt like the franchise was in flame out. I could see the grosses in, even in Japan, this thing is dipping. We're now in 2012, 2013. Who cares? I don't know. I got a few more to get through here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Movie 16, Genesect and the Legend Awakened. Kind of interesting in that it brings Mewtwo back. But be warned if you're one of those cultural warriors that got really pissed about female Ghostbusters and Rey being the better Jedi than Luke. They have made Mewtwo's voice by a woman now. And it doesn't actually work. I mean, it's not because it's a woman. It's just the whole agenda of Mewtwo has changed. I kind of liked him in the first movie. But here he's fighting fossils and it's just lazy and bad. And then the worst one. I can actually say I hope to never see a worse Pokemon movie than number 17, Deonce and the Cocoon of Destruction, which basically posits what would it be like to have a Pokemon that acted and looked like Paris Hilton? (laughs) It is made out of jewels and is a prissy airhead and wants to learn our human ways by going shopping with Ash and Pikachu at the mall. She can just pull jewels out of the air to pay for things and she's a privileged valley girl and can talk in full sentences now like for some reason the pokemon are just talking normally but unfortunately sounding like valley girl so this is the kind of movie you put out and go all right it's uh what was that transformers movie where they were king arthur shit the last night (laughs) yeah this is we're there now it's like we got to do something else and they tried movie 18 
Someone online, I think, put it best. I saw someone jokingly said, if you gave a Pokemon movie to Michael Bay, he would make Hoopa and the Clash of the Ages. It is just nonsensical action. (laughs) It is just like every Pokemon you've ever seen thrown at your face for 70 minutes. I don't know what it was about. Gonzo Pokeborn. (laughs) It is just wall to wall. I know Hoopa. He's like the genie from Aladdin and he gets broken up in two. His big angry self and his cute little self because they always got to have both in these things. And he kept going, Hoopa! Sounding like, I think that's Jabba, right? Hoopa! He talked like that. And things came out of hula hoops for a long time. And that's all I can tell you about Hoopa and the Clash of the Ages. One good one came right out at the tail. I actually think it's unfortunate Valkanian and the Mechanical Marvel didn't come earlier before the My Little Ponies and the Paris Hiltons. It's actually cool. You mentioned earlier, Justin, steampunk. They actually go to a steampunk world. All right. And it's full of gears. And it's like, I didn't even care about the movie. The plot was whatever. Ash gets handcuffed to a big mechanical bull. But it was just actually really cool to watch. The animation was there. It looked really nice. I thought, man, this thing's great, but nobody's watching Pokemon anymore. And this is when they reboot. Movie number 20 is one that finally gets commercially released here in America as a Fathom event and gets the box office up again. Pokemon, I choose you. They remake the very first episode. They're starting over. So it is Ash waking up on his 10th birthday again, meeting Pikachu, not getting along, seeing the crows, doing everything that they did in half an hour as a 90-minute movie now. I think, Justin, you've said that's what you wanted all along, something to establish the relationships. They have done it pretty well. If I were going to recommend one for you as someone that's given this series five red arrows, Pokemon, I choose you. That might be your best shot. Well, it only took them 20 tries, right? Yeah, it only took 20 movies. (laughs) And then they totally screwed the pooch because the next one they released is one of the worst. I was like, oh, they rebooted it. They're giving it more class. And then Pokemon, The Power of Us. It's strange because there's like 12 human characters in it. I don't even know who the Pokemon are in it. But they have all these storylines about a wind festival. And I couldn't tell you... I have no idea what was going on. You literally just lose track of the character. It's My closest comparison is John Carpenter's The Fog. There's some kind of festival, and 50 years before, some Pokemon caught on fire for reasons. Don't know. And then they're coming back. And a lot of town people have thoughts about it. Terrible. But I do know the one that's coming out this year in Japan in just a few months is a remake of the first movie. It's Mew and Mewtwo back again, and they're going to tell that story probably better than they could back in 1997. Yeah, as I understand it, it's not out yet, but they're even going to reuse a lot of the audio from the first one, Hmm. but it is a 3D CGI remake of that first movie. It is the first all CGI Pokemon. Wow, yeah. Will I go when it becomes a Fathom event? I, you know, that's intriguing, but I think I really need to check in with Nurse Joy first. I really think I need a break. I think I've earned a Poke break. This has been heavy. To watch all of this Pokemon and try to pay attention enough to have opinions about each individual one and not just let it wash over me. Here's what I promise. If they make a sequel to Detective Pikachu, I will catch up with all the animated films they release in between, and I'll let you know. And I'll probably have some enjoyment about it, but I think for now... 
I'm really good on Pokemon. And honestly, Arnie, you said you're excited about this movie. I fear it might be the worst of the whole bunch. Oh, no. It's got Ryan Reynolds in it. Yeah. (laughs) Here's what I'm thinking. If the bar for storytelling has been set at these movies that they've continued to pump out, I think it's going to be real easy to get over it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Detective Pikachu doesn't have to be even a good movie for it to be a great movie in this series. Certainly that's true, but it feels too late. It feels like Pokemon Go is not a thing anymore. It still is. I mean, I find when hundreds of people are showing up in Springfield at the fairgrounds, hundreds, not thousands. My point is, if they got this movie out the next summer, 2017, it would be a hotter property than now. I just feel like it's too late. And then they based it on a game. Arnie, you're going to play it, but I've never heard of anyone that was playing Detective Pikachu. They're not making a movie of Pokemon Go. They're making it look like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But I got my ticket opening night, which is apparently four in the afternoon this <laughs> Thursday. Like, that's the opening performance. They're just going to move the school buses in. I'm just going, me and a bunch of children <laughs> watching Detective Pikachu this Thursday and Pikachu. And you guys will be back to talk about whatever the hell it is. I hope you say hi to all the people from the tournament. I'm going to the 640 show. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> and I'm going to try to talk a couple of my kids to go in with me. I know, I know Tyler's going to go. He's kind of excited for it. This is, I think this might be his nostalgia for the year. You know, he grew up with Pokemon, let it go. This might be the audience. 20-something-year-old kids going, oh, yeah, I remember being a Pokemon fan. Let's go check this out. All I got to say is if you're worried about Detective Pikachu, nothing's going to make it look better than the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer that's going to play before it starts. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. I know. Did they already make the sequel? It just This video game series is just punishing. It just hurts <laughs> so bad. I honestly, if you guys told me Sonic the Hedgehog was live action, I repressed that knowledge until I saw Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik and I just went, wait, what? Yeah, my Thanksgiving <laughs> just got a whole lot worse another turkey to eat (laughs) so yes that's going to be next week we finally close the ball on the pokemon series with detective pikachu it looks like deadpool light to me so i will be happy for that i mean can we underline that point getting ryan reynolds is not the audience like people that like deadpool are not going to want to see him do this Have you seen Ryan? Have you met Ryan? Okay, a majority of people... Did you go to the tournament with me? We A majority of people that love Deadpool are not going to look at this and say, well, I'm going to do it for Ryan Reynolds. Hell, look at any other movie where Ryan Reynolds makes. He is only a star when he is starring as Deadpool. I don't think that this is going to take. Oh, Van Wilder would argue with that. Well, that's going real bad. <laughs> I'm talking about now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's what I'm kind of thinking and hoping is that they kind of... Treat this movie the same way the Brady Bunch movie did when they came out. It was like, sure, the Brady Bunch had a little bit of a love letter to the series, but also had enough gumption to make fun of it. And I kind of feel like that's the rope they're going to try to walk here, is not be precious about Pokemon and make fun of it a little bit, but still not stomp on your nostalgia. And that movie did surprise me. I was like, I don't want to see no Brady Bunch movie, and someone pushed it on me. And I'm, yeah, I had a halfway good time with it. You're right. If they can hit that tone, then uh, it's going to be Green Arrows. 
For me, it's not going to be very hard to be the best Pokemon movie I've ever seen. But what does that really mean? Does that mean you're excited? You're going to love this? You're going to want to see the sequels? Listen, I said it before. I'll say it again. I would be going to see Detective Pikachu this weekend with or without now playing's retrospective series. Wow. You really mean that? Yes. Okay. It was the only reason I was happy to do a Pokemon retrospective series is, hey, if I'm going to the theaters, I might as well record a podcast on it. The trailer came out before Endgame, and all I heard was one guy turn to his wife and say, you're going to make me go to that, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, if you're in the mood for more animated live action fare this Friday, join the three of us. If you're a patron of $10 or more, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is our main patron review yeah not unlike how shazam reminded me of big seeing these trailers for detective pikachu had me thinking back on what was a huge film in 1988 but never got a sequel seems somewhat forgotten is it still a cultural touchstone or was it just a moment in time we'll discuss that and more this friday and then next week we return to our donation series the platinum level with lethal weapon You can find out all the details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. So Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, I'm going to take my Pokeballs and go home. Game over. Think we did the right thing? I know we did the right thing, Jesse. And it feels great. Well, this is it then. Let's not say goodbye. Let's just say... We're gonna die. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Thank you all for everything. Maybe I'll see you again. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Case closed, but still open until I solve it. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. I could use pants. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. There's another credit on Pikachu's charge account. We've got to grab it. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Take the treasure and put it there. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I haven't seen this many strange letters since the last time I placed a personal ad. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. 
Yeah, you're right. I can do it. I'm the chosen one. Associate produced by Jason Latham. He's always the hero. Hero is a zero. Now playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. Humans may have created me, but they will never enslave me. This cannot be my destiny. Now playing credits read by Brock. Could you just understand me? Oh my god, you can understand me! Stop! I've been so lonely! The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. That's a twist. That's very twisty. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. He's saying you can shove it. What? I can shove it? Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Listen up. We got ways to make you talk. Or mine. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2019. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I know you can't understand me, but I will electrocute you. But once a happy ending, Team, Team Rocket is signing off again. <laughs> Starring Rika Matsumoto. Mayumi Izuku, Mayumi Izuka, Yuji Yudia. Oh wait, no. Starring Veronica Taylor, Rachel Lillis, Eric Stewart. <laughs> yes, I was like, you don't usually do this, and I don't know why you let need to let people know you're not Japanese. <laughs> I got worried I watched the wrong movie for once. Which one did you watch? No, with all with all the Japanese names, I'm like, oh, they were whatever. supposed to watch it with subtitles. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Kuniko. <laughs> One more time. Yuyama. Because too. Oh, I didn't see who I am. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it was Mew. He was the first one, right? You know, is that little <laughs> fucker? That white little mouse, Mew. He's a cat. Is he? Yeah, that's Mew cat. I mean, if you say so. Trust me, I, I'm, I'm okay. no Ryan, but I'm learning the evolutionary patterns thanks to Pokemon Go, and he turns into a bigger cat. They bring back the cat. You're calling it a cat? Mew? No, Meowth is a cat. We were talking about Mew earlier. Oh, then I have no f***ing clue. <laughs> I know Meowth is a cat. How big an idiot do you have to be not to see that's a cat? <laughs> Music cat kangaroo, I'm telling you. <laughs> I think with each passing minute, you know less and less about Pokemon. <laughs> I got Mew and Meowth confused. Meowth, I got Mew and Meowth. <laughs> yeah, let me pronounce it correctly here. No, Mew. Mew was the very first Pokemon. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember Mew now. Don't make me have to retell you the first movie. Anyway, he's back for movie eight. He's going to be in Pokemon Detective Pikachu. So. At least Mewtwo is. I don't know if Mew will. <laughs>
Yes, Beastmaster. That was the source of so many of our Dungeons and Dragons adventures, Arnie. I don't know if you know that, but because he played with ferrets that he could control, that was where I went off on that whole cat tangent. That's where it all started. <laughs> I didn't even know what Beastmaster... I never even saw Beastmaster till like we reviewed Chopping Mall. So no, I had no clue. Oh yeah, no, that was a big influential <laughs> film on my young impressionable mind. Oh, me too. It must have been one of those ones that was just like kind of sitting on the shelves all the time at the rental store we went to because it seemed to be in our house at least once every six months or so to watch. I think it was always on cable. I just always remember turning on the TV and being like, there's Mark Singer again in the Ferris. <laughs> Turner made a ton of money off of it somehow. <laughs> Not that I digress too much, but like I ended up watching it a couple of years ago. That movie is way, way, way too long for what it is. <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no interest anymore. <laughs> Let's leave it in the past. No retrospective. I think there's like five of those things, too. And a TV show. I'm like, nope. But Singer was only in the first one or two. Like, he dropped off pretty quick. No, they always do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can go to the... Are there still forums? Yes. <laughs> Is anyone going there? I don't know. I'm going to go there. I'll be honest. Go to Facebook. I might see it there. But they can discuss it. I would, I'd, be, I'd love to hear a Pokemon, a true Pokemon fan... So, Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, here's a pasted line from one of the previous shows. <laughs> I'm not doing any more work for this punk shit. <laughs>